Hey, this is Rabbi Zevvanna. You're listening to the Daily Halacha Kabbalah Machshava podcast series. If you're enjoying this content and you have not yet done so, please consider joining us at www.yesodblocks.com, where you can subscribe for $9.99 a month and you can get access to all the other Torah content that we are constructing and sharing on that platform. And you can also support what we're doing with that subscription so we can continue to do what it is that we are doing and hoping to change the world with all of this Torah uh, content. Uh, also check out our recent album that was published on iTunes and Amazon. It's called Tikkun HaYesod. It's using these same Torah frameworks to do battle with the dark side of the internet, the world of pornography. Uh, one of a kind album, so if you're uh, interested in that kind of content as well, please check that out on iTunes or Amazon for only $9.99. Or you can get access to that exact same album simply by subscribing at Yesod Blocks because the album is also posted on the platform itself. In this episode, we are looking at uh, Simon Mem Zion. Uh, it's a uh, section forty-seven. Uh, sorry, Simon Mem Vav, section forty-six, Halacha Gimel, the third Halacha in the section. The Halacha says, Chayav Adam Levarich Bechol Yom Brachos Lefachos. This is part of Hilchos Brachos, and what it's saying here is, Chayav Adam, a person is a person is obligated, a person must say Levarich uh, to make Brachos Bechol Yom every day, Mea Brachos Lefachos at least. A hundred brachos. So we have a few different pieces to, to deconstruct here. So again, the idea here is that a person is supposed to say 100 brachos a day. So the Mishnah Brewer here explains the reason for that is, he says, Hatam, the reason, there was a time period when every day uh, every, uh, people would be, would be dying. A hundred people from the people of Israel would be dying every day. So during that time period, we had this some, some kind of a, a plague or a problem. So David, David Amelech, made a takana, uh, which is basically the equivalent of a takana de Rabbanan, uh, a rule uh, that was designed to deal with something going on at the time, that, that people should say every day a uh, hundred brachos as a response to this problem. Now the first thing I want to tease apart here is the word chayev, because the word chayev is actually thrown around quite a bit, um, in halacha, and it's usually translated, and this translation is also thrown around quite a bit, to mean obligated. You have an obligation to do something. So uh, this is actually the root of something which people often say when they're discussing halacha. And again, this is the halacha podcast where we're trying to show the underlying frameworks of halacha to show you how to get all the way to the root of these things, how to understand halacha deeply uh, in terms of how it integrates into larger Torah thought, and that there is a whole ocean, a huge amount of Torah thought structures that underlie all of the halachic practice. So it's very easy to teach halacha, but halacha only represents like 5% of the Torah framework because there is so much underlying it. So let's just first ask this uh, this basic question. The way people talk about halacha as a result of this word is they say things like, this is what you have to do. You have to do these things. And there are plenty of people who are 100% fine with that statement because they recognize that halacha is something they have to do. That's how they think about it in their heads. Well, of course, we know we have to do halacha. Um, that's what the Torah expects. That's what Hashem expects. And so that's what we have to do. But then there are plenty of people who look at that and are very bothered by it because some people have a harder time being told what to do. And in addition to that difference in nature, it's also kind of a strange thing to say. What does it mean that you have to do this? So the if you actually think carefully for a second, you'd realize that there actually is nothing that anyone has to do. The Ramchal articulates this at length, and so does the Ramban uh, in Parshas Ki Teitze, that this is actually the idea that you have to do something is a little bit of a misapplication. Even the Torah itself kind of references this in Parshas Nitzavim, Parshas Vayelech, where the Torah talks about how Hashem is giving us options. He's saying there are two paths in front of you, and one is one is good and is life, and one is bad and is death. And of those two paths, Hashem recommends. He says you should choose uh, life. He says you should choose that. 
Um, but the, rec the, the, you know, the idea there that if you articulate that as an obligation, something which you have to do, well, it gets a little bit weird because in the text itself there, it's clearly a choice. In fact, Hashem's command in that situation that you should choose life is inherently self-contradicting. I mean, how do you command somebody to make a choice? You should be commanding someone to do something and then they have no choice. But in fact, the actual text there is you're commanding them to make a choice. And so how do we reconcile this idea of choice with this uh, this, this type of thinking of these, these are things that you have to do? And so as the Ramchal and the Ramban, many other commentaries also, essentially the analysis goes like this. There is actually no such thing as anything that anyone has to do. You don't have to do anything if you are a human being. You have total autonomy in what you what you can do. And by the way, that's true even in terms of very basic things. There is nothing that we need to do in a vacuum. You don't just have to do things. But as soon as you get involved in the world, then in order for you to achieve certain outcomes, then you have to do certain things. So there's this idea that, well, on the one hand, I don't want to be told what to do. I want to do what I want. But on the other hand, I also want certain outcomes. So it's kind of like saying, I want a lot, a lot, a lot of money. That's what I want. Um, but I don't want to have to be, I don't want to have to do anything. I don't want to do what other people tell me to do. I want to do what I want to do. Well, then you're going to have to find a way to link what you want to do with the outcome that you also want to achieve. You cannot, you cannot um, say that you don't want to do certain things and then also still want the outcome as if you did do those things. And that's really the idea here is that the Torah perspective on, on obligation is that you have certain responsibilities given um, the outcomes that you want. And so that's really, that's the first layer, which is that when it says Chayav Adam Levarich, when, 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 when Allah generally says, this is what a person is obligated to do, the first uh, uh, level of that, or the first aspect of that, the first layer, is that if you want certain outcomes, so then this is what you have to do. If you don't do this, then the outcome will not be what it is that you want. So, that, and that's, and then of course you have to ask, well, what is the outcome of the Torah? What exactly is it that we're trying to get or become uh, through this process of things that we are obligated to do, that we are high up to do, what what is the what is the result we're 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 gunning for? And the second layer of this is the idea of obligation and responsibility represents that there's another party involved, and that we have an obligation or a responsibility towards that other party in what it is that we're doing. So, as an example, uh, you know, if if someone does something for you and provides something that you need in your life for what it is that you want to achieve, so now you have a certain responsibility in your relationship with them. If you want to have a relationship with them, and your relationship with them is what led them to be there for you. In other words, they, they, they provided something that, that you needed for the outcomes you were trying to create. So now, in a, in a relationship fashion, to recognize that there was someone there who was a part of what it is that you needed and what it is that you achieved, so you also have a responsibility to them now in the relationship to do something similar. It doesn't mean you have to, you have to pay them back for what they did, but because it could be you could never do something for them that you know equals what it is that they did for you. But simply the basic recognition that you have a relationship with them, and that relationship um, comes with a basic perception that they are responsible for parts of your life, and so now you have a basic responsibility to them. You might not, you might never have any way of expressing that, but if you have a relationship with them, that relationship comes with expectations. That's what relationship means. There are two selves that are opposite each other, and they have a, a connection between them, and then each self has certain needs or expectations that manifest at different times. The relationship essentially tells us, okay, if you want to continue this relationship with that other person, so then you have to relate to them according to their needs 
needs and expectations in some form and vice versa. Otherwise, the relationship is, is, it enters into a state of decline and disintegration. And so that's the second layer here of the idea of obligation and the idea of responsibility. So we have this obligation and responsibility to do different things, um, but to recognize that that is not something that, to, to use the phrase, this is what you have to do is misleading. The idea of having to do anything is not really accurate. It's, you have to do this if you, A, want the relationship between you and the other person, the, the person on the other end, to continue to evolve. And you have to do this if you want certain outcomes, both relationship outcomes and also practical outcomes. So if you don't want those outcomes, so then you don't have to do this. Now, that, that, that's exactly what the Torah the comes and says. Well, one of those two paths is life, right? There's a, there's, a, there's a path of relationship growth with the significant other. There's a path of outcomes that are, that are evolving and productive. And then there's a path, which is in that first path, it's called the path of life and the path of good, the path of, what, the path of tov, the path of what you actually want. And then the opposite of that is the path of Ra and the path of Mavet, the path of what you don't want. And the path of death, which is where you choose not to do these things and to then reap the consequences of a life in which the relationship that you have with your significant other erodes and declines. And then also where the outcomes that you want in your life are also not going to arrive because you're not taking actions that actually drive towards them. And so those are the two paths that are in front of you. And so Hashem says, uh, choose the, the first path, the path of life. So we have to just understand that a little more deeply. Now, what exactly is the point of existence? Why is it that we are here? And therefore, why is there this idea of a responsibility in a relationship setting and and its and its um, and its outcome driven types of, uh, of of standards and requirements? And so the answer to that question is that the the underlying framework of Torah describes a map of who and what it is that we are. We have this concept called called avodat Hashem that we are servants of Hashem. We have some kind of service. To provide well, what exactly is the service that we are providing here? So again, this—if you want to see this in depth—there's uh, a that, that same Ramban that I mentioned in Parshas Kitetze is really a, a powerful Ramban, a powerful piece, really about this whole idea. I'm going to just say it in summary now, but you can check it out. It's on the mitzvah of Shiluah Hakan, uh, and it's a very, very powerful uh, uh, set of thoughts that the Ramban articulates there. Uh, but the idea here is that we. As servants of Hashem, what we are is we are actually aspects of Hashem's consciousness. And we've discussed this a little bit in previous episodes. And the, the description here is that you experience yourself as, an, as a separate self, that you are you and I am me. But the Torah map actually says that there is a barrier inside of our minds that rests in place blocking us from the perception, the truer, the more true perception, that we are actually all connected. We are all one self looking out at the world through different frames of reference. So what that means is that at the core of who you are, there is this, there is this blockage, and the blockage is called tzimtzum in Kabbalistic language. It's basically a, a wall that Hashem put in place between all of us so that we experience ourselves as other from each other, and also as other from Hashem. And underneath, our true self, our true nature, is we are actually aspects of the total self that we call the Ein Sof, that we call the Endless One, that we call Hashem, that we call Yudke Vavke Elokim. And so the this, this is our true nature at our core, is that larger self. And then we have simply been blocked off from seeing that and perceiving it. And so in a certain way, you could say we have forgotten this. And this is there's a lot more information about this in the Kabbalah basic series on Yisod blocks. And we're also going to be, we're in the middle of developing intermediate and advanced uh, levels of, of those Kabbalah concepts as well that will be released very shortly on yesodblocks.com. And the core the core idea here is is, first of all, in your, in your core nature, you are actually a divine self. In other words, the things that you are at the root 
are unfortunately often hidden from us because as we experience the world with its das tovara dynamic, our perception of ourselves can shift dramatically based on our experiences, our exposures, uh, the types of choices that we make, and so we perceive ourselves in ways that deviate from our true nature. But the Torah is the true objective, uh, hard as a rock map of reality, of who we really are, no matter how distorted your perception of yourself becomes and how you see yourself in a way that deviates from this, this never stops being true. And so under, underneath your real self, underneath your perceived self, so you can think of it, you can think of your perceived self as kind of like a constructed self-image. Underneath that, there is your true self, which is this divine self. And the divine self wants the same things that Hashem wants because you can think of it as, well, you know, you're an aspect of Hashem's self. So what Hashem wants, you want. And so the 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 things that are in the Torah, the halachos of what to do and how to how to how to channel your emotions and how to direct your thoughts and how to build your mind and how to how to landscape your, your perceptual field, all of those things that we are doing, that the Torah framework is all about, is about how to construct yourself uh, willfully, intentionally, into a, a being that actually reflects your actual self, your true self. In other words, you're, you're trying to become what it is that you already are. And the tricky part is that the Eitz makes us you know, uncertain as to who we are. Do I want this? Do I want that? Do I want to be a part of this thing? Do I want to get involved with that? Do I, do I identify with this particular thing in life? And we kind of get drawn around and pulled around by all these different uh, uh, stimuli, these different influences in our lives, and we're unsure exactly what, it is, what is the truth of our nature. And the Torah describes the truth of our nature, and then it gives us a whole list of things to do and to live that actually actualize, that activate this, this awareness within us. In other words, you start off doing things that maybe feel a little bit like, I don't really see how this is the real me. But as you do it more, and as you access deeper thought and deeper understandings and deeper perceptions as you as you live longer, it's the same exact thing as discovering love more deeply with, with your significant other. You know, you start off loving, loving each other somewhat, and then as you live with each other and you live each other's lives together, so you more and more discover there's layers and layers and layers in which you basically become more and more and more united in your love and in your relationship simply because of the living of each other's lived experiences together. And so it's exactly the same with this. That, that is essentially the, the um, process that we are going through because we are aspects of Hashem's self. And so the service that we're doing for Hashem, we are the manifestation of Hashem's capacity for growth and for evolution and for development. That is what we are. We are, we are if you can think of Hashem as being the total self, the whole self that is unchanging and is completely whole and, and, and complete, and we are the partial selves that are basically becoming more and more and more whole incrementally. So we represent the side of Hashem's being that is capable of evolution and growth, the process of becoming. And so if that is the point of life, well, you can sort of look at it as the definition of growth is the uncovering the, or the becoming or the discovering of our inner self at greater and greater levels of depth. That is the process that we are on. That, that is the journey that we are on. And so if you look at this as kind of like you are chaya, this is what you have to do if you want results. Well, what result do we want? We want the result of greater and greater and greater evolution, of becoming, of activating the real us, the real self that's within us, the, the, the discovery of our true potential and actually achieving more and more and more every day all the time, that we are beings of tremendous power that can can create and build and 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 evolve and that's something which you know in, in its current form the, the, during this etzadas phase of life which is called olam hazed the time period of zed the time period of distortion so it's obviously uh, a little harder to see things and the distortions of life can, and, the, and the vicissitudes of life can get in the way and block us from seeing ourselves clearly but the more we activate ourselves in this way the more we can overcome those kinds of distortions and those kinds of blockages and so you know it, it's it's hard today 
to not be, and for thousands of years, to not be lazy, to not be uh, jealous, to not be angry, to not look at other people as threats, to not to not experience the world as a dangerous place, or, or and to not be terrified of death, and to be sad about loss. And these are all very, very strong uh, components of this world, meaning this form, this form of existence in its in its current form, the Olam Hazeh form. And the Torah basically is the it's the counterpoint, it's the counterbalance for that, because it shows you the truth of all these things and the outcome of, of living a true map in the face of all this adversity is that you become stronger and stronger and clearer and clearer and more activated and more alive. You connect yourself more and more deeply to your true self, which is actually Hashem at the root. And the more you dig deeper into that space and you connect yourself more and more deeply, the more alive, the more proactive, the more intentional you become and your real power is unleashed. And this is a profound experience. I mean, doing this stuff is like, it just wakes you up in a way that, you know, people talk about this idea nowadays of being woke. Well, being woke is simply another distorted perspective landscape that is just taking certain things that in the past were seen in one way and now reactively looking at them in the opposite way. But actually waking up is where you access the divine core of who you really are, the unchanging, changeless core, and then living that and and in the, and, and seeing where to be what, how to be what, how, when to say which things, and how to behave, and how to grow, and how to create, and how to build things that literally bring light into other people's lives, and that's and into your own life, and that that's simply digging into yourself and then opening that barrier between you and Hashem so that the light of your deeper self can shine out. And that's the source of all self-esteem. You're not going to get self-esteem by, you know, being very pretty or having a great job or doing, you know, uh, uh, things that impress other people. You should do all those things. It's important to, to, to look like you are a person who is, who is special. That, that's, that's the point of being it physically attractive, that it should reflect your true self, that you are actually a special, irreplaceable, divine being. And you should do actions that reflect that as well. You should do a job that creates and builds in the world. You should you should find ways to to, to, to be a, a person who, who is and who manifests and who, who builds and who constructs and, and, and is productive. Because those are all expressions of the truth of who you are. But if you do that because you're trying to impress other people, so then you're actually trying to siphon off a sense of value from other people, which is just never going to be a consistent source of a sense of self because you can't rely on other people to tell you who you are. You have to look within yourself and discover the truth of who you are and, and literally discover it. And so that is the journey that we are on. And its ultimate expression is, is immortality. I mean, the more deeply you connect to Hashem, so the more the more alive you become. And that's true to the extent even that, that the Torah describes the map goes much further. It goes so far as to say that at some point, your consciousness becomes so activated and so luminescent that it can't even be overcome by death. And then when your body dies, so you're, there's a temporary state in which your consciousness essentially is, uh, is detached from the body to finish purifying it from the distortions of the perceptual landscapes that we create with the Eitz Hadas. And then you get, you get reattached to a body at some point in the timeline, and at that point is coming up pretty soon. It's the time that's called the resurrection of the dead, when we finally figure out how to cure death and we bring people back to life, and then we begin to live a life of immortality where everything is focused on simply greater and greater and greater um, expansion of divine consciousness in the world and its manifestation in our connections and in our productivity and in our creations. And so there's a whole uh, video about this on YouTube on my Yisod Blocks channel about uh, the world to come and what exactly happens in the next phase of life. Uh, we're going to talk about this more on the, on the on Soul Blocks also on the platform. We're going to have a series about this more in depth. But the point for right now is that's the outcome. That's what we're trying to get to. That's what our, and, and, and that's also the relationship. You're in a relationship with Hashem who is the source of yourself, the root of yourself, and He is the source of all that you have in your life. And so you are Chayav. 
you are you are obligated to basically be up to 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 do these things in the sense that this is what you actually want at the core of who you are and this is also who, like who you are in terms of what Hashem gave you to become and so that that is your responsibility to become what it is that you actually are for you for Hashem for the oneness that you share with Hashem and to actually become that uh, for yourself and and that and that's that's essentially the the idea of responsibility here. This is what you want, and this is what you, this is the outcome that you are seeking. We all seek this outcome of self actualization. And so this particular halacha, this example of of you have an obligation to say a hundred brachos every day at least. Well, it's also the same principle as you articulated in earlier episodes. The concept of bracha is trying to create consciousness sparks inside of your head to de- deepen your awareness of Hashem's presence within all the different things that you are doing. And so this, you know, when David Amelech saw people were dying and he made this takana it's because the more of that type of consciousness awareness you have of Hashem's presence within you like we just mentioned the more connected you become to Hashem in your in your um, conscious awareness you're always unconsciously one with Hashem but you're in the process of discovering that of uncovering the, the connections that you have and so these brachos are the way to do that or one of the many ways to do that and so when David saw that many people were dying there's some kind of plague so the response to that is let us create greater consciousness linkages between us and Hashem on the level of conscious awareness and that will flood our beings with light, with divine light and divi- divine awareness that will then heal all the distortions that give rise to disease and death and that's a much longer discussion about how exactly disease and death are the emanations and the results of the distorted landscapes that we have within us but they are and the Torah basically has a very in-depth map of how that works also why diseases come when we are living broken lives and distorted lives and making choices that are destructive diseases are are extensions of death that kind of come into into our into our framework into our bodies and actually damage us and so that's really what David Amelech was saying here there's not some kind of magical thing where if you just say brachos without thinking and without understanding the Torah then somehow it just heals stuff uh, that there's a whole uh, array of thoughts and ideas here that are at work and so that's basically uh, how to think about this particular halacha and also this concept of obligation that we have in the general space. And we'll explore more as, as we go about how that death example works and how all these brachos impact us because we have many, many brachos and hilchos brachos areas we're going to be exploring in the next few episodes uh, as we continue through halachos of brachos ashachar and other brachos after that and then tefillah, uh, which is also very brachos heavy. So hope you enjoyed that. Thanks again for listening, for tuning in. Check us out at yasoblocks.com if you haven't subscribed yet and please join us. And looking forward to having you join me in the next episode. 